0: Welcome to Knesset Corner with Rabbi Dov Lippman. I'm Scott Kahn. Today we're going to be speaking about Amona. Rabbi Littman, tell me what's going on there. What's the story? What's the history of the Amona situation? So I think the
1: way you asked the question is actually the most important factor to focus on because uh, it's a very emotional issue. Obviously, you're talking about Jews being asked to leave their homes. So it's very easy to distort the facts and just let the emotions pour out. And I don't know of any Jew living in Israel— who's happy about the idea of asking any Jew to leave their homes. Happy about it. Meaning some people feel it's necessary, but no one's happy about it. There's a lot of emotions involved. And you start seeing calls of, we're going to fight, there's going to be a war, we're going to protect, no Jews don't send Jews out of their homes. And so much emotion is built into it without understanding the facts. What are the facts? These families, who are, I'm sure, wonderful, wonderful people, they set up these caravans, it's not homes, it's not established homes, uh, in a place where they knew that the state had already ruled that it was forbidden to be there. Why was it forbidden? Uh, it's owned by Palestinians, and there's there's, there's facts on the ground, and, and again, our emotions can say, but we don't want to hear that, uh, we're not happy about the fact that Palestinians own land in Israel. People can express that, but there, there's a law, and we, we are governed by laws in this country, and... The fact that they were ever led to believe that they could stay there is the tragedy here. Meaning, there are leaders in the more extreme right in Israel who led them to believe everything's going to be okay. Settle yourselves there and things will be okay. Instead of looking them in the eye and telling them, you won't be able to stay here according to the laws. So these people, and I really feel bad for them, were misled. They thought, this is where we can establish our homes. And then the controversy went back and forth in the courts, out of the courts. They're living these lives without knowing what their future is going to be instead of people just
0: telling them this is not a place where you'll be able to settle and live. Well, isn't it more than just being misled? Weren't they actually given $2 million or something of that sort by the construction ministry? So there's
1: a lot of back and forth about exactly how how much the government was involved in actually bringing them uh, to be there. There's no doubt that a lot of the settlements were done with government support, with government encouraging. Let's remember, going back to Gush Katif in Gaza, that was done with the government deciding to do so. But... Here we are in a situation where we're just weeks uh, away from an order from the court that they have to be out of there, and everything's still up in the air, and everything's still unsettled. And that, from my perspective, is the worst thing that we can do. We have to be able to look at people and tell them, this is the situation, here's what the laws say, but and now we get to the most important part. If we do, for any reason, have to ask people to leave their homes, it should be done with a plan in place, that they have a place that they know they're going to, they can keep their community together, even if it's uh, 500 meters away. They know that they're staying together, they know that the government will help them. We should never, ever reach a point where people are asked to leave their homes and they have no place to go to. And then you have the desperation and you have the uproar that you're going to have when people... uh, And by the way, going back to Gaza in 2005, We won't open up the issue now of right or wrong to leave but how are the people who are asked to leave their homes not treated as heroes? And how do they not have palaces waiting for them uh, when they're gonna leave their You're asking them to sacrifice their homes for the state of Israel. Treat them uh, as people who are making that kind of sacrifice. So bringing it to Amona, let's treat these people like human beings and dignified people and make sure that when the moment comes when they do have to leave, that they do have a secure place to go to.
0: Is there any plan whatsoever for where they're going to go
1: when they are evacuated, if they are evacuated? Nothing, nothing. It's sort of, uh, I mean, you hear the government saying, "Oh." We're just going to pick the caravans up and move them uh, a few hundred meters and then the government says, the, the attorney general says that's not allowed and, and think about the situation for a moment. You have the attorney general of the state of Israel, appointed by the prime minister, by the way, a person who was the secretary of the government. He's not a political foe of the prime minister. He's a political ally, but his job is to analyze the laws. And he's saying this entire situation, including the law that they're trying to do to settle uh, all the situations uh, over the green line, uh, it's not legal. Not Israeli laws and not international law. So we have a government now which frankly, just for political points the people out there don't even know what's really happening uh, are doing something which we know is going to be rejected by the courts. We know it. It's, it violates Israeli law and it violates international law. So how are we moving forward with a situation where we know that's going to be the end result? And this is sadly where politics gets in the way, where people want to Show For example, uh, the Likud Central Committee is, is more right-wing. So they want to show, oh, look how right-wing we are. Oh, the horrible courts shot down our wonderful law, or shot down our, our plan for Amona. And instead of, like I said before, focusing on these are people's lives that we're talking about, and they have to be treated with dignity, and I really, whenever I see the videos of the people they're talking, it breaks my heart that they're these pawns in what's really just a political game, and that's a shame.
0: Does anybody deny that the land actually is Palestinian land? Because it seems to me that's the crux of the issue.
1: Yeah. Nobody's denying that. People just say, oh, well, we don't really care uh, about that. But no one – the facts on the ground are the facts on the ground. And – if we enter negotiations with the Palestinian, we offer him money. I'm not against doing that if that's what the person wants. But to say this is what they're forced to do, uh, that's something which uh, is a problem. You can't force someone to have to uh, give up the land which belongs to them. How
0: about the laws of eminent domain? We'll do that for a highway. We'll take away somebody's house. Why is this different?
1: So it's different for two reasons. First of all... Um, When we talk about the pressure cooker of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, uh, we have to go out of our way to be very, very careful, and it's a very delicate situation. And we know that we live in a world where anything that Israel does, which can be Perceived or understood as we are trying to establish facts on the ground, we're trying to take over land that belongs to the Palestinians, we're trying to counter the idea of a a state for the Palestinians, Uh, that's something which has massive, massive ramifications uh, for Israel, both in terms of uh, international perspective, but put aside international perspective, but also our security as well. I'll jump to another issue for a moment just to explain it. The Temple Mount. People are very bothered by the situation with the Temple Mount. How can it be that Jews can't go to the Temple Mount and pray? And if you ask me, uh, again, I personally don't go up to Temple Mount for uh, reasons of religious law, but people who believe that they can, they should be allowed to. But I've sat with security officials who are very right-wing. They're very right-wing. They believe Jews should be on there. They believe we should be doing more up there. But they say if we change the status quo there, if we do things to make it seem like we're changing something, is Jewish lives are at stake. Jewish lives are at stake. And no, you don't want to cave into terrorist pressure. You don't want to be a country where we have to worry about what everybody else says. But when we have a security assessment that we're talking about people's lives, you have to be very, very careful. The situation in the Palestinian territories is very sensitive right now. We see the incitement that's out there. We're trying to fight against it. We're trying to do things to stop it. The moment we give them the ability to say, look what the Jews are doing, they're taking over our land, the Jewish lives uh, are at stake at that point. We have to get, bring that into the issue as well. So when it comes to building a highway, we're not necessarily dealing with a security issue. Uh, it, countries have to do what they have to do sometimes. And there are actions that Israel can take and does take, when it comes to the Palestinian conflict. when it comes to this particular issue, uh, it's a pressure cooker, and we have to be very, very careful. Just one last point. My own party, our perspective, uh, just for a moment, on the territories, is that we should be outright saying we're not going to be building outside the major settlement blocks. We are not going to build any more, again, people who live there will get their needs, they'll have security, they'll have the roads that they need, etc., but we're not building more. And in doing so, we will allow ourselves to build as much as we want in the settlement, in the settlement blocks. blocks. Right, in Gush in Maledum, in Ariel, and in Jerusalem. And that's a massive change uh, in policy because right now we're doing nothing. We're, we're, we're playing this game of, on the one hand, uh, we don't want to say we're not going to build. On the other hand, we're not building, and nothing's really happening. And we really believe... That we should be building as much as we want to in Gush in Maale Adumim, in Yerushalayim, in Jerusalem, our capital, and we're not doing that because we're sort of in no man's land. So sometimes taking a firm stance, even if it might not be what the extreme right would want to hear, could actually build uh, in the settlements instead of hurting the settlements, and that's a, something which we believe firmly. So all of this is sort of mixed together. We have to get politics out of the way and start doing what's best uh, for Israel. And unfortunately, we're not in that place with the
0: current government. One last question about this topic. What about international outcry? Do you think Bibi's concerned with that, or is he just putting that aside at the moment?
1: So I've, I've been in meetings. You know, international outcry is, you know, we're not nervous about what the media around the world is saying. Let's remember... Uh, we're having F-35s being brought to Israel uh, from the United States uh, the, this week. Uh, a massive game changer uh, for Israel. Uh, the United States uh, some, it helps us with the Iron Dome, which is a game changer in terms of the security situation and saving lives on the ground in Israel. Uh, it's not a question of, I care what they think. It's a question of, There are some real needs that Israel has which are dependent on some of these very uh, difficult uh, situations and relationships. So uh, we have to be very, very careful. So, yes, the prime minister is very aware of the situation. He's very aware of the benefits uh, that we get from uh, our allies and from some of these relationships, and he's not going to try to do something to really rock that. That's part of why they announced that this whole situation with redoing things in the settlements will wait until after January 20th. We have a new president. We'll be able to analyze exactly what the situation is. He's not saying, by the way, at that point we'll do whatever we want to do. No one's saying that. We'll analyze the situation. Well, Well, some people are probably saying that. They are saying that, but, but, but the prime minister is not. He's aware, we have to see, there's a new Secretary of State that has is a complete open book on these issues, and we have to be careful, not again what the international outcry is, but
0: ruining or hurting some of these
1: relationships which, which are strategic interests for Israel.
0: Moving on to a different topic, speaking of rocking the boat with the Palestinian population, the muezzin law that's proposed, what is this law? There are people who live in Israel in neighborhoods, and I'm not one of them, and I want to be very clear, because it's important
1: for people to understand that I'm not experiencing what they're experiencing, where at four o'clock in the morning, uh, the call to Muslim prayer comes out from the mosques, and it wakes everyone up, and it's very disturbing, and I really, my, I, it's hard for me to even relate to what they're experiencing if they're having this kind of noise at four o'clock in the morning. So the law that was proposed was to outlaw. Uh, the call of the muezzins, and, 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 and they're not going to be able to make those calls uh, to prayer. There are laws on the books in Israel already about noise. Uh, you're not allowed to make noise above a certain decibel from 11 o'clock at night until uh, way into the morning hours, and these calls from these mosques should fall under the category of these laws. And Israel for too long has not cracked down on a lot of crime and violation of law in the Israeli Arab community. And that's what we should be doing. We shouldn't say we're against the calls to Arab prayer, a special law which puts a large part of the Israeli Arab population, who are moderate Israeli Arabs, who recognize they live in the state of Israel, they'd rather live here than any other state in the Middle East, they have their rights here. But it puts them on defensive and emboldens the extremists in the Israeli Arab community. So this law, uh, again, from my perspective, is just political points. It's not a question of let's help the people who have this problem of the noise. The police should be doing that with the laws that are already on the books. It's a law where people can sort of uh, boast that look how we slammed uh, uh, the Israeli Arab community. That's a shame.
0: Well, if there are existing laws in the books, even from those who propose this law and who are in favor of this law, why would they more enforce this law than the existing laws, which already outlaw this thing they're trying to outlaw?
1: Yeah, I'm not saying this law will be uh, enforced either. By the way, Israel has a big problem in general of laws that are on the books that aren't enforced. Um, And it is a problem in the Israeli-Arab community. The police are afraid to go in there. They're afraid to deal with it. We have to be able to say, they're citizens of the state of Israel. It's 20% of our population. They have to be upstanding citizens who keep the law. And we have to demand that of them. But uh, when a law like this, I've heard from uh, friends of mine who I've made in the Israeli-Arab community who said, "Get this law is just hurting our cause. We're trying to raise the money." voices in the Israeli-Arab community and now you're just emboldening the the extremists and you're quieting us and you're also pushing us away uh, by a law which is specifically targeted here. By the way, the ultra-Orthodox parties were nervous uh, when this law came up because they uh, have, before the Shabbat, before the Sabbath, they have calls, the sirens go off and there's loud music that plays and they were nervous that maybe that would be somehow included. The Prime Minister, by the way, has implied that it might be included uh, in this law because the Prime Minister realizes the debacle that comes from focusing specifically on the Muslim community, and the ultra-orthodox populate, uh, parties will not support this law if it includes uh, their calls uh, before Shabbat. I have so,
0: wondered if the Supreme <laughs> Court—I'm and I'm not a lawyer—but I wonder if the Supreme Court would even uphold such a law if it only targeted Muslims and didn't also target the pre-Shabbat siren.
1: Yeah, it's a good—I mean, there's no doubt that there'll be a suit immediately to the Supreme Court, and we'll see uh, what happens with that. But I—I want to make the point very clear: we have 20% of our population are Israeli Arabs. They're not going anywhere, uh, and a large population of that percentage of that population is not asking us to go anywhere. Yes, we hear a lot of noise from the Israeli-Arab MKs, which put us off and make us feel like, wow, they all must be really extreme. But for the large part, they just want to live here. They want to have good lives. They want to have education for their children. It's not simple for them to live in a Jewish state, where all the symbols are Jewish, where the national anthem is 2,000 years of Jewish aspirations for this land, but they accept it. We have to go, in my opinion, 150% overboard to make them comfortable here, uh, because they're here. Uh, The ultimate goal, by the way, should be that they should serve, not necessarily the military, but they should be a mandatory national service for them. There's many needs in the Arab community, which they could be fulfilling. But we have to make sure that they really feel the equality, which Israel officially grants them, and then we can reach that point. A law of this kind pushes us further and further away from reaching that stage where they can all embrace living in Israel and be upstanding citizens, both with the benefits and with the obligations.
0: Maybe this will take us a little far afield, but I'm sure a lot of people think that with the shrill voices coming out of the Arab Khaveri Knesset, members of Knesset, it's hard to sometimes believe that there really is a significant population of moderate Arabs who live in Israel and who want to be Israeli citizens.
1: It is, it is a problem. Uh, the Israeli Arabs in the Knesset, uh, a lot of them, do a disservice to the Arab community. They're not representing the needs of the Israeli Arabs, I'll be honest with you. There were some that I could have nothing to do with. And I'm a friendly guy who tries to get along with everyone and work with everyone. I did work with some of the Arabs in the Knesset who weren't that way, who were moderate in nature. Uh, but there are some that the level of extremism and nationalism for the Palestinian cause is so strong that there is no place of interface and there's no way to work together with them. And that's a shame. It's a shame the burden, in my opinion, is on the Israeli Arabs to elect people who are more moderate not to allow this uh, extreme fest to go on where each one is trying to out-extreme the other one. It's a real problem. I think that they did a disservice to themselves by joining together as a joint Arab list because that sort of looped them all together and some of the more moderates are now in the same party in the same faction together with the extremists and just look at them as one
0: big block and that's a shame because there were differences. Although they really had no choice given the new election laws with certain higher thresholds for a minimum of receipts they were taking a chance of none of them getting in.
1: That's true. I understand why they had to do it but in terms of representing the needs of the Israeli Arabs that that hurt their cause and I hope that some kind of a party uh, representing the moderate Israeli Arabs can develop and they can be a strong voice. It's hard to go up against the extremists because the extremists are willing to kill people and there are death threats that go along with this. So it's very difficult for them to hear their voice, but we as the Israeli government have to help them raise their voices. That's really what our uh, goal should be. And unfortunately, I think we're doing the opposite. I'm Scott Kahn with Robert Dove Lippman.
0: This has been Knesset Corner.